Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Born to love. Hey, Scott. Hey, Ellie. How are you? I'm good. My name, for those of you who don't know me, is Ellie Kemper. And I'm Scott Eckert. This is Born to Love. It's a podcast we host every week where we talk about things we love. And we're joined by a guest to talk about something they love. Right? Yes, absolutely. Every week is exciting. This week is especially exciting because our guest, probably the most distinguished guest we've ever had on the podcast, New York Times opinion columnist Jamel Bowie. And he's talking to us not about politics or history or important things. He's talking to us about his love of cereal. So that's exciting. That's exciting. And I do have to, Scott, you used most distinguished guests. I I don't want to put, I mean, we've had many distinguished guests on. How about he's the most columnist guest? Another way to put maybe most intelligent guest, because most of our guests are stupid. That's another way of putting it. (laughs) That's, of course, not true. (laughs) What about the most New York Times writer guest? Yes, the most New York Times writer guest. So I guess we'll leave it at that. We'll we'll set distinguished aside. We don't want to we don't want to ruffle any feathers. Well, we'll put intelligent aside too. <laughs> yes. All of our guests are intelligent. They are. We don't have dummies on the show. <laughs> well, that was one of our it's in our mission statement. Ellie, we did have one dummy, but we won't say who it was. <laughs> we had one dummy and it's that we're not going to tell you if that podcast has aired or not aired. But there's one dummy and we're going to have a game at the end of the year where you guess who the dummy was. Mm-hmm. And if you're right, then you're going to get a coupon to a free Jamba Juice. Yes. Mm-hmm. If you're wrong, then we're not going to let you listen to the podcast anymore. We're going to block it on your phone. Okay. <laughs> Ellie, uh, there's something this week that I wanted to share with you because it surprised me how much I love this. It's a new love of mine. I want to see if you're aware of it. Um I think that I might be born to love Formula One race car driving. What? What? When you started with formula, I, I honestly, my, my brain first went to baby formula. I thought, you don't have a baby now. 
Formula One racing. What's the fourth word? What's Formula One race racing? Formula One race car drive. Uh, I'm so no new to word. it. I don't know what it's called. It's a, Formula One. I, actually, I'll be honest. I'm more specifically excited about this Netflix documentary series called Drive to Survive, oh. which is it's behind the scenes of these European race car drivers, Ellie. And okay. I, I'm late to the party. It's in. It's I guess season five is finished. It's very very popular. I just started watching it with my wife, and this is how I would summarize it in short it is basically desperate housewives level cattiness and then they end up driving 200 miles an hour and crashing into each other <laughs> so I, okay. I absolutely love it it's great. okay now wait when they crash into each other and this is something i've never understood about race car driving when they uh, are lives lost i mean they're not showing that on a, on a show but when they crash into each other what happens well, Ellie, the crashes are truly spectacular. They flip over, they explode, they catch on fire, and yes, in fact, some of them do die. They the none of the none of the main drivers have died in the series so far, thank God. There was a driver who tragically died in Formula 2, uh, which is of That's course horrible. A, a horrible tragedy. Um, and then there's a really harrowing episode, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, where there's a fiery crash and it truly seems like someone has died. So there, there is that element to the show, Ellie, but I will tell you the truth. I'm not there for the life and death stuff. I am there for the drama because I hear you. These gorgeous European men, Ellie. And let me tell you, <laughs> they're gorgeous. They're from France. They're from Germany. They're from Italy. They're from the UK. They're from Spain. And the one thing that unites them is their ability to speak English. Thank God, because I don't speak any of those languages and their hotness. They're hot boys who drive fast cars and they hate each other. And all they That's do all is bicker with one another. Of course they do. Because, you know, they're stuck together. The Formula One, the way their season works, they have a different race in a new country around the world. So they fly and they're going to Bahrain and then they're going to Germany and then they're going to South Korea and they do these crazy races. And the only people that they really interact with throughout the year when they're on the road is each other. There's only 20 of them. There's only 20 drivers. They've got their pit crew. They just travel around the world together. They're trapped together and they hate one another. And I love Whoever it. came up with this idea for a show needs to win a Nobel Prize because everything you just described in the Formula One show is a formula for success because that's all you want. You want people in essentially confinement. They're confined <laughs> with each other in a, in a moving bubble over the globe, and they don't like each other. And also, furthermore, Scott, it's not a bunch of, like, poets trapped together. It's a bunch of testosterone-filled, furious, competitive, I'm assuming very strong men who don't like each other. Well, Ellie, now it makes it seem like you've seen the show. Are you a Drive <laughs> to Survive fan? I literally, your description is so specific and colorful that I know exactly what the show is purely from your description. I never laid eyes on the formula. What's the show called? Sorry? It's called Drive to Survive. To Survive? No, I have not. I have never. I haven't laid eyes on Drive to Survive. <laughs> it's, I have one other thing that I want to share about this show, Ellie. So, so there's. 
10 teams and they each team has two cars okay and spoiler alert m- you, whoever wins the race car uh, race usually just drives the fastest car so all these drivers of course they're very talented but usually whichever car is fastest wins right so what that means is that each and every one of them believe in their minds that they are the best racers and the only reason they're losing is because they have sucky cars, which is great because it's just like their their egos are maintained. Except right. because they have a teammate and that teammate drives the exact same car that they do. In fact, there's only one human being on earth against whom they're actually competing, like on a level playing field. And it's their own teammate. So normally teammates work together, right? But because of the structure of this crazy sport, the two teammates absolutely loathe each other. <laughs> ten, I... out of, 10 out of 10 times, the person that they most hate is their own, own teammate. And guess what? They crash into each other all the time. <laughs> Scott, it's brilliant. I said it before and I'll say it again. It's a brilliant concept for a show. Now, I, I have a personal anecdote that relates to that show and why I can specifically understand it so great. When I played field hockey in college, our... Did I mention I played field hockey in college? You were like a field hockey superstar. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I well, say yeah, so. kind of. I sat on the bench, everybody. <laughs> but I did. I was on the team, and our coach would during practice. We had um, when we had to run, she would pit us against each other. So she would pick someone like roughly the same running ability, and you would race against each other. She'd send you off, you know, west on Oak Street, and you'd go east on Oak Street, do a loop, and and whoever won won. So my point is that they she pitted teammate against teammate. And boy, did it make you work hard and resent the teammate. I mean, it's a strange, strange strategy. I don't know what it, how, why it works, but it does. But I would be willing to wager that when you were racing against your field hockey teammate, you were not doing it at 200 miles per hour on, Scott, a, on, a, on a rocket ship that with four wheels that can explode at any moment. That, you know, correct. Everything you said is correct. Okay? Mm-hmm. And that's why Drive to Survive is so good. Scott... <laughs> I'm so happy you've discovered this show. It clearly has put a spring in your step. It is. that Nothing can get me down. I'm in the perfect mood. <laughs> I'm in the absolutely perfect mood to talk to a distinguished guest, Jamel Bowie. Like we said, he's a columnist for the New York Times. He's a political analyst for CBS News. In addition to covering history and politics, Jamel is also an accomplished photographer, Ellie. And he co-hosts a movie podcast called Unclear and Present Danger about the political thrillers of the 1990s. Here's why we're talking to him, though. He used to be a professional cereal reviewer for the food website Serious Eats, and he's going to join us and talk about how he was born to love cereal. I mean, could you love this man anymore? I mean, unless he were a Formula One race car driver, I Hello. don't think I could. That's the only thing he has to add to his resume, and 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 Scott's love will be complete. We are so excited to talk with him about his love of cereal, Stick around, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Jamel Bowie. Here we are. Scott and I are so, we're always excited about our podcast guests. There's no one we've been unexcited about, right, Scott? Except one. No. Well, there's one that we won't say. We won't (laughs) say who it is. We wouldn't say. But that one is not you, Jamel Bowie, New York Times columnist, Joining us today to talk about how you were born to love 
cereal. Is that right, Jamel? That's right. Yeah, that's why. That's actually why I was bred by my parents specifically <laughs> for the consumption of cereal. It's also funny to imagine your parents breeding you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't think of a better word. No, but you know what? You know what? It all worked out in the end because you created. Now, I have to say, I did not know about your cereal love until Scott brought it to my attention. And I, I just have to say from the start, I share in your love of cereal. I love it. I don't know that I'm as knowledgeable about it as you. I'm not sure I'm that knowledgeable about it either. Let's be clear. Well, so, so that's what I want to hear. First of all, for those who don't know, and, and Jamal, what should I call it? It's not a vlog. It's you've made a series of videos. Yeah, like serial reviews. A series of serial reviews. A series of Say that six times fast. <laughs> mm. And they're usually... Everyone I've watched is an obscure cereal. Right. Like, it's never like a honey bunches of oats or like cornflakes. It's always something. I mean, it's not for nothing that half of those reviews I append with, do not buy this for your children. <laughs> right. <laughs> because it's basically just refined sugar, different sorts of refined sugars and artificial flavors, right? Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And like, and usually really bad combination. So there are a couple gimmicks to the thing. The first gimmick is that... They're like very serious and kind of sedate most of the time. <laughs> and that's like an intentional bit. It's sort of like, I'm a New York Times columnist and I'm going to talk to you in a very serious manner about, I don't know, apple caramel Cheerios. Jolly Rancher. Which super yep, gross. Yep. Jolly Rancher cereal, Peeps Ugh. cereal. So that's part of it. And the other part of it is I really like to just find not just the most obscure cereals, but things that are objectively gross. So you've got this show, this series of reviews that you've done on serials. It wasn't as if somebody approached you out of nowhere and was like, Jamel Bowie, would you please do that? It must be born, I'm imagining, from a, a lifelong love of or interest in serials. And I'm interested sort of in how that started. Like, when did you fall in love with cereal and how has it stuck with you all these years? Because uh, my card's on the table. Cereal's fine. Uh, but I, <laughs> as a grown man, I'm not, you know, eating a lot of cereal each morning. Uh-oh, so, uh-oh. Our- Maybe Jamel is. That's what we want. Okay, tell us. Where did it all start? Okay, all right, okay. So, like many children, I ate a lot of cereal. Sort of like it was the thing I ate for breakfast. Most common snack, that kind of thing. And I've always liked it. It is, I feel, I found like, you know, so much of eating is about like, you know, the sensation and the aesthetic of it. And I do think cereal is almost uniquely pleasurable to eat. It's like it's crunchy. It's cold. I mean, there's a lot a lot of things happening in your mouth that are really nice. And so like being a kid loving cereal, cinnamon toast crunch, frosted flakes, Reese's puff cereal, that kind of thing. Is that what you ate um, as a kid? Yeah. You ate yes. Reese's Puffs cereal as a child? <laughs> How did uh, that get in your house? <laughs> really? I had my parents. Um, my parents my, shaming. No, this is, this is, the, my parents were both in the military and I had like a pretty strict upbringing yeah. for the most part. But some things they just like didn't give a <laughs> shit about. And this was one of them. <laughs> I love that they, I love that that's where they let it slide because it's true. You have to pick your battles. Right. No, yeah. Military no, yeah. pun. But yes, that is that's okay. So they let it. They they let it. Okay. Yeah, that was the thing. They're just like we're not. You know, whatever. Who I love cares? that. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I ate Reese's Puff cereal as a kid, and that that kind of just like continued 
through high school and into college, just like eating cereal on a regular basis, especially late high school and in college when you're just kind of eating all right. the time. And cereal is another great sort of like it's two o'clock in the morning and I'm working on right. something and I want to eat right. something. I can eat some cereal. I actually, so, you know, I'm in my 30s and as I've gotten older, my like cereal consumption has like declined, you know, commensurately, right? Yeah. Because at a certain point you can't just be like eating all that sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've experienced the same thing and much to my chagrin because my problem with cereal is and has always been when to stop. Yes, yes. Right? It is very hard to just end a bowl of cereal. It's like, I don't know what it is that I can end a hot dog. That's I'm done, <laughs> you know, but not. And so how do you deal with God, that? Imagine if you couldn't end eating hot dogs or you just like had to just keep on That's shoving it. them in. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, it's just bottomless. I don't know. I can't stop. <laughs> but how do you, do you eat cereal for breakfast now? No. Like I eat like, you know, a bowl of yogurt and fruit for breakfast. But I still, we still, you know, the kids, uh, I put like, you know, healthy, healthy quote unquote cereal in their lunches as a snack. And then I eat I would occasionally eat a bowl of cereal for myself. Like I, I will buy a box of something for myself that like at night, if I want a sweet treat, I'll have a bowl of cereal. Is it only for you? It's only, it's like, it's mine. But yeah. I mean, does your wife know? You you don't share. No, yeah, no, no. I mean, she doesn't. <laughs> My wife had like the opposite parents, like not very strict about many things, very strict about what they ate. <laughs> oh, fascinating. <laughs> so she's not so she's not on board with the sugary cereal. It's just hidden away. Is no, the, she's just like, she's like, what's wrong with you? So she doesn't even want it's not like you're hiding it from her. She doesn't even want it. No, no, yeah. She, no, no desire. No desire whatsoever. Insofar that it's like hiding, it's really from the kids who are like very, very young. And so <laughs> it's, it's very stupid. So they go grocery shopping with me. Like I do the grocery shopping. And when we go through the cereal aisle to get like their checks or like their toasted oatmeal squares or whatever. And if I'm going to buy a box of something like Cinnamon Toast Crunch, my oldest will be like, can we have that? And I'll say, well, no, this is grown up cereal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the opposite. But yeah, but actually, no, you're right. You're the one who's right. It's marketed to kids, but it should be only for grown As a parent of two relatively small children, there's plenty of foods that are only grown-up foods. Like, for example, right, we right. don't allow our kids to have, like, Diet Coke, but it's, like, quite honestly one of the only liquids that I consume. The idea, <laughs> the idea, so having so having a cereal that's, that's, that's a grown-up cereal does make sense. It's funny that it's always the most childish cereal. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, this the, the cereal with the cartoon dog eating cookies. That's grown up cereal, <laughs> Carter. That's for that's for that's for daddy. I've noticed like maybe twice, three times during this conversation, and also in your cereal reviews, you do refer to cinnamon toast crunch quite a bit. Is that is that like the ideal cereal for you? Oh yeah, I think it's like the perfect cereal. I think it's like a top tier <laughs> for a bunch of. Re- I'm gonna get into it for a bunch okay. of reasons. First of all. Uh, it holds up to milk pretty well. Like in the time it takes to eat a bowl of cereal, cinnamon toast crunch is going to hold up. Cinnamon sugar in milk is like kind of a natural, natural, is like a, <laughs> a rational flavor combination. Rational, it's like horchata yeah. <laughs> or yep. something like that, right? Like it, it, it's found in actual food in the world. Um, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, it makes total sense. The fact that it's not corn, but like it's like wheat, I think is just like a better flavor. 
like the, the corn corn based cereals. I'm not the biggest fan of. They have like an aftertaste to me that I'm not. I don't like all that much. But the wheat, I think, works. And uh, it's like, I mean. Uh, it's a testament to how good they are that they haven't really improved on it. Well, that's exactly right. Mm. There's You never see, like, I mean, it's always crazy when something comes out with a new and better flavor, new and improved flavor, because you think, well, what? They're just, like, admitting that the original was not good or whatever right, it is. Right, right. But cinnamon— like those, uh, like those Domino's commercials a while back where yeah. it's like, hey, listen, our pizza was— it- <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know that dog that we used to bring you. It's, it's not, not as bad anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that is true. I think with uh, cinnamon toast crunch, my limited experience with that specific cereal is that it does retain its crunch. But I am maybe in the minority of people who loves soggy cereal. Oh yeah. Oh, oh do you? No. No, no, no. I'm, th- th- oh. That was an oh yeah. Like, please tell me more. Oh, oh, oh. Because how can I explain it? You know? <laughs> no, it's like you're a monster. It's I'm I'm a monster is the I'm way a monster. you explain I can't, it. Yeah. It's that I don't have to crunch that much. It's a soothing motion. It's a yeah, soothing yeah. it's like ice cream. And in fact, little little nugget, I've told my son this many times, and I feel like it's like the one story I have that's like cool from my childhood, which is that I used to make my cereal the night before. And I would let it soak over at Crispix. What? So everything you hate. Oh, no. Crispix is corn on one side, wheat on the other. I, I think, love right? Crispix. That's I've the never only had cereal Crispix. I You've never had. You've never you're had the cereal Crisp- expert and you haven't had Crispix. Never had it. I mean, it's pretty boring for you. It's pretty boring. It's pretty boring. Yeah. From- but I, I would, I would, yeah, I would make my cereal, uh, over, like, let it sit in milk overnight. That's how much I loved sogginess. But both Jamel and Scott sort of recoiled when I said that. Overnight is, uh, that's, uh, it's too much. It's a long time. It's I mean, much. you've definitely proven that, that you do like it soggy. <laughs> you prepared oh, yeah. it by letting it leave it. That, I've never heard of that. I, that, that no, seems like a made up story. It's so ludicrous. I mean, but the funny thing about doing these serial videos, I mean, aside from the fact that I, at a certain point I was like legitimately worried that more people <laughs> knew me as a guy who ate cereal on camera than as like a columnist for the New York Times. Right. right. I was sort of like I, you know you know I have like a like a I have like a day job that like I spend writing about like law and constitutionalism. Like I, I do that stuff. Other, there's something on the side, right? <laughs> but uh, I have like just learned a lot about how people like eat and enjoy cereal. Like I just have conversations about cereal with people. And so it's like, I met someone who like ate their cereal with water. Oh, that's Didn't like milk. I met someone who does a thing where they have like the dry cereal in a bowl and like the milk in a separate bowl. And they kind of just like, like cereal, milk like that, like separately to keep them separate until the moment they touch the spoon together. Wait, wait, wait. Takes this dry cereal in a spoon and then just dips it? And then like scoop, scoop it into the milk. And then eat it. That is so, I, I I cannot understand wanting it to, is it because they want it to be crunchy? Right, they want it to be crunchy, like, basically, like, the entire time. They don't want any sogginess. Maximum it's like the opposite. crunch. They yeah. don't want any sogginess. Yeah, I, wow. I, 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 I can't understand that. I just, you know what I mean? It's like another being. I don't get it. But, I'm, okay. I'm personally okay. a little horrified that we're just adding to your nightmare of we're increasing your renown as the, the world's foremost serial expert as opposed to just a thing thoughtful, political, and moral thinker, uh, which, which of course you are as well. No, it's okay. I've, I've resigned myself to it. It's fine. Are you recognized on the street? Like, are people like, hey, it's the serial guy. 
Yeah, oh, yeah, that's how everyone <laughs> in, in New York. Yeah. In exactly that voice too. Yeah, yeah. I live in Virginia, but like for whatever reason, everyone sounds like a a New Yorker in a bad uh, a bad TV show. So it's like, uh, I was gonna try to do a Southern accent, but I was no, I, falling I, I, down. I, I, yeah. Like, Howdy there, are partner. You, are, you that cereal guy? Yes, that's how everyone in, yeah, yeah, in Virginia. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like. No one sounds like that. And uh, I'm trying to think. Ooh. <laughs> it, was so, it was so swift. It was no one sounds like that. And also, but, okay. But here's the thing. As far as Southern accents, Seaville in Virginia, it's like it's upper south, right? And so it's going to be like much more patrician, right? So oh. it's going to be more like, you know, people pronounce their, their whites with white, right? Oh. Like that's, that's, that's more, yeah, of, the, I know more that. of the style. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. How do you get these cereals? 
Because the cereals that you review are always obscure and I would imagine hard. I mean, I've Googled them and I'm like, I don't know how you, how do you get them? So because I was doing it with Serious Seeds, they would actually send me stuff. Either they would be like, we've seen a bunch of stuff that looks like you might want to try it. We'll send it your way. Or I'll just be like, hey, I want to try this. Can you order it and send it my way? Mm -hmm. In the case of the green onion checks, which is sort of like the- Green onion checks. Yeah. So there's actually an interesting story behind this. Years ago, Kellogg, I guess it's Kellogg, had a a survey for South Korean consumers about the next flavor of checks. And I think it's sort of like a gag. People are like, well, green onion is what we want. <laughs> and Kellogg is like, we're not, we're not going to make green onion checks. We're not going to do that. And so they didn't. And then a couple years ago, they were like, you know what? We're going to do it. You know, <laughs> we're going to do it. The people spoke and we were like, we're not going to do this. But it turns out we, we respect the democratic process enough that we're going to make this green onion check. So they produced this green onion checks flavor. And I saw the commercial for it. And my first thought was like, oh, this could actually be interesting because checks, checks mix, you know, like a savory cereal. Like Like a sour cream and onion kind of thing. And so I I reached out to my editor at Serious Eats, whose dad actually was an editor at the South Korean newspaper. And his dad was like, oh, we can like ship a box over to you from Seoul, which they did. And I was, my expectations weren't like high, but I was actually like, this could be good. But it turns out that it's not savory. It's sweet. Hmm. So it's like a sweetened green onion flavor, which maybe works for a South Korean palate. But for my palate, it's like the worst thing. One of the top, top 10 worst things I've ever had. It's truly terrible. Uh, When you mentioned it was sweet and you said it so calmly, I was trying to think of any, is there a comparable taste in America? Like a a sweet onion? Well, a sweet onion. I mean, you can buy a sweet sweet, onion. Yeah, and as I said that, I realized there's a thing called a sweet onion. But I mean like a, you know. But like there's there's not really anything, because there's a sweet onion and there's sweetened. Right. And I feel like that's a a critical distinction. Yes, that's it. Like- like sweetened with artificial, sh- with extra sugar, with like right. refined sugar, and then fla- artificially flavored like green onion. I don't know. I don't know if that exists. Anything like that exists uh, in the United I- States? I can't think that and I'll it be does. Honest, yeah. I'm not even sure it really is a thing in South Korea either. Like the video, which has me like gagging on the cereal. It's oh. very funny. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you I'm have schadenfreude you for yourself. I know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to go through it. Uh, no, but it's, it's a great, it's a great yeah. gag, pun intended. So <laughs> some viewers are like, oh, you know, this is kind of problematic because, you know, maybe this is a flavor of that. But I've, I just, I've spent enough time in my life in like Asian grocers and mm-hmm. I've spent enough time in like the snack aisles that I just have like, I, I, I've never seen anything like that. And so I don't, I don't know. I don't know if there is a cultural context I'm missing, but- But do you, but but was it successful then in South Korea? Do we know? I don't think it was, but I don't think it was. I mean, to me, yes. Of course, that does not sound like a good combination at all. (laughs) And I'll say, I mean, having said that, there was a lot of stuff that I, you know, at the Walmart, there was like lots of strange cereals, like a Dunkaroo cereal, which I never got a chance to review, but- Oh, um, I've seen that. I mean, I, but that's what I wanted to ask as well. Like, 
where are we seeing Jolly Rancher or Elf on a Shelf? Where are we seeing that being sold? I mean, I think I, I think I found Jolly Rancher cereal at the Walmart, just like hanging out at Walmart. Really? Um, Elf on the Shelf, we had to order and and send and send this way. Although I'm sure I actually could have found that at the Walmart too. Like it's like the one Walmart for the area. Like the next yeah. one is like in a town like 20 miles out, and so there's like a lot of stuff there. But you have to wonder who is eating those. I mean, really, like it's this so is bad the thing. for you. I I don't really understand. Because people, okay, people tend to settle on like a rotation of cereals that they like, and they tend right. to be pretty conventional things. Right. And so I'm right. not really certain, other than stoners, who is like buying right. the super weird stuff. Right. But someone obviously is because they keep making it. They are not making it as a bit. Like they're making it because it sells. That's it. Yeah. The, so yeah, cereal companies generally don't. I would imagine don't do bits because <laughs> it is not so profitable. But right. it's like as a cereal sommelier, right? Because that's basically what you are. Um, I don't know anything about wine, but my friends who do know something about wine, they're like, I, I'm like, oh, they're having a dinner party. What, what should I buy? And they'll tell me. And if they've done a good job, then other people will be like, oh, this wine's really good. It, if I were to do a similar sort of thing with you, what is a cereal that you might recommend that other people haven't tried? If I introduced it to someone, it would knock their socks off. Yeah, and I'd steer it'll pair with like a nice chicken marcella or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's right. Um, start with cookie cubes and then yeah, go yeah, to yeah, chicken yeah, marcella. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously, I think Cinnamon Toast Crunch is great. But other than Cinnamon Toast Crunch, I don't actually like super sweet cereals. And so the Quaker toasted oatmeal squares, like all of those, those flavors are, are actually legit great. Those are great cereals. Like the cinnamon, brown sugar, and there's like a maple flavor too. The maple flavor, I'm not the biggest fan of because like artificial maple flavor is not great. But the cinnamon and the brown sugar flavors, top mm-hmm. notch. Great mm-hmm. cereal. Well, th- that is sort of leads to a question I have, which is what is your take on, you know, th- I think there's a whole, I'm not sure if this always existed and I just never paid attention to it now. But it seems there's like there's a whole market for or demand for, you know, simple ingredient organic cereals. So what is, to, to me, that's like a different, that's in a class, it's just a different category. It's like, that's, I don't know how, how to describe it. It's it's health cereal, I guess. Like Kashi? No, not even Kashi, I don't think fits the bill. I guess what I'm asking is this. I think of cereal as Kellogg, Post, I think those are the two major ones, I guess. Are those the two major cereal makers? Yeah, Kellogg, Post, and, and General Mills. Oh, General Mills. Yes, sorry, General Mills. And they're making what I, like classic cereals, Honey Nut Cheerios, Frosted Flakes, Corn Pops. Cheerios, Cheerios. And that's what I think of as cereal. So do you think of these health cereals as cereal, or or maybe you don't even consider them? No, I think, I mean, not only are they definitely cereal, but they're in in a lot of ways, like, they are a throwback to cereal. So, like... Kellogg's is named for John Harvey Kellogg, who was like a late 19th century religious guy, health guy. Like today, he'd be like a fitness or health influencer type. But back then, like a health influencer had like a big beard and wore suits, right? Right. Um, uh, I think he was a eugenicist. (laughs) There we go. Uh, So he, he develops, he was a vegetarian, first of all. He thought eating meat made you unhealthy, made you sick mentally and physically. And he created cornflakes. 
or sorry, his brother created cornflakes, but he was part of like the marketing and everything. So his brother's also a vegetarian. This is William Keith Kellogg. And these were, they were explicitly made as health foods, like eat this instead of, you know, eggs or bacon or whatever to have a healthier life. I may be mixing up with the guy who created graham crackers. Also, we'll stop you from masturbating. Um, that hold on, that's the guy who created graham crackers. Said that. <laughs> I think it's either it's either the Kellogg guy or the graham cracker guy. Wow. But one of them was like, you know, the food you eat may create impure thoughts, and so you got to eat you got to eat better wow. food. And so eat this eat this instead, and you'll stop cranking it. Or whatever the 19th century equivalent of saying For cranking, cranking it was, was which yeah. I don't know offhand, but what it was, but it was Scott might. No, I don't know. But that is, well, that I'm, um, I, this was, I'm impressed or I guess surprised that somebody in the 19th century would be a vegetarian. I just didn't know that that existed. But in any case, cereal's origin was one of health, it seems. Right. Or health It's sort of an original, yeah. an original health food. Um, and so the, the modern healthy cereals very much are kind of like a return return to form. Right. Return to formula. Right, right. It Which, yeah, exactly. I think that we're pretty, I mean, I think that we've done a wonderful job of covering all the cereal bases. And I'm persuaded completely that it's a good thing. I was thing. already <laughs> persuaded going into it because I love cereal. And I literally, again, I've said this, like I have to be careful with, because I find it hard to stop. The serving sizes, the, you know, a box proper serving size of cereal is like three quarters of a cup. But if you just like get a normal size bowl and fill it with cereal, you've like two servings automatically, like it's right there. insane. Oh, those sneaky, sneaky cereal makers. They're so sneaky. They're very sneaky. <laughs> what was his name? His last name was Kellogg. It wasn't Kellogg. It was Kellogg. It was Kellogg. That's why they called it Kellogg. Uh, William <laughs> Keith Kellogg. William Keith Kellogg. What was he up to? <laughs> Not masturbating or eating meat. Not masturbating. <laughs> that's for sure. Well, this was fantastic, Jamel. Thank you so much for for just really helping us to explore this um, topic of of human concern cereal. Um, we have a game that we like to play with our guests um, called Love It or Loathe It. You have a couple of minutes to stick around while we do that. Of course. Thank you. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Wark, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, 
This is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Jamel, we are going to play a game called Love It or Loathe It. It's a very straightforward game. We're going to lob some items at you, and you will tell us whether you love the item or loathe the item. Key part of this game, there can be no in-between, okay? You either are all in or you're all out, okay? Okay, all right. Now, I just want to say, I want to say we play this game with all our guests, but you are our first guest whose job is to have opinions. So... I think that these carry extra weight. There's a lot of importance. I don't want to intimidate you. He's I mean, rolling you're... his eyes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, you should have a strong opinion about every one of these. Okay, right? <laughs> okay, love it or loathe it? Cronuts. Love it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I like croissants. I like donuts. Put them together. And yeah. you're not opposed to that, you know, whatever, Frankensteining. No, 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 no. Creating hybrid foods. <laughs> Yes. Here's, a, here's, here's a nice political joke. I'm not like George W. Bush complaining about human-animal hybrids in the 2005 State of the Union. Yes. <laughs> I I knew it. I was I was thinking the same thing. When it comes to baking, I'm no G.W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Yeah. You embrace the hybrid. I do, too. I know some people who can't stand a Krona, and I think, what are you talking about? It's only delicious, so I'm glad that you also love it. We have a, we have a bakery in town that does, like, a pretzel croissant that is oh. incredible. It's 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 unbelievable. I be- So it, I, I'm ima- at first I was imagining a croissant in the shape of a pretzel, uh, but I believe it must be a pretzel in the shape of a croissant. Or what is it's it? Like, you tell me. It has, like, the, the crust of a pretzel, but, like, the layers of a croissant. Yum! It's flaky inside. Is it salted? Does it have the big pretzel salt on it? Yeah, it has like you can get it with just salt or like you everything seasoning. It's really buttery. Yeah, that sounds really good. <laughs> love it or loathe it, Jamel? Selfies. I love it. I'm a narcissist. Whatever. <laughs> Whoa! I love. I mean, I love selfies too. But we one reason we put it on the list here is that you are something of a photography expert. One of your many areas of expertise. 
Um, I yeah, I never actually take photos of my of myself, and I, I'm not I'm not actually a narcissist. It's just a joke. Um, <laughs> For the record, not a narcissist. <laughs> no, not a narcissist. But uh, I, I I'm I, you know selfies are fun. You know, like what what's 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 the I know there are some people who are like oh people take selfies or to a test for their phones. I'm just kind of like it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. That Whatever. brings me such comfort to hear you say that because I constantly think what is happening and it's selfies. And if you have that approach, which is it's a selfie, it's fun, move on to the next thing. I think that's much healthier. So thanks for sharing that. Okay, now I'm looking forward to this answer. Love it or loathe it, Jamel. Pop-Tarts slash toaster strudel. Uh, and love it. <laughs> Do you eat them for breakfast? Uh- no, not at all. I mean, those are totally a dessert. And yeah, every so yeah. every like very rarely I'll when I'm having like the craving, I'll like I'll buy a pack and then I'll have like one for a dessert or something. One because there's two in a pack usually, right? Yeah, it's two in a pack, yeah. And I can't I can't in good conscience no, eat two of those just, things. Yeah. Um, but like pop one of them, pop a brown sugar one in the toaster. And so you do, and yeah. I was gonna ask you that next. Do you use the toaster? Yeah, I pop them in the toaster, a toaster oven or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you got it, you got a toaster. No, Scott, you got a some people just eat them out of the pack. Nah, those people monsters. Eat them, eat them loose. Yeah, they eat them loose, loose and uh fancy free. It is funny that they put them in two in a pack in those foil packs. Like what would well, how would the world be if they just put three in? Right. I think that a lot of people would just eat a third one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Love it or loathe it. Uh, just as context, Jamel hosts a podcast uh, called Unclear and Present Danger that I listen to about politics and the movies of the 1990s. There's one movie that I can't wait for you guys to review, and I need to know now if you love it or loathe it. I'm making a guess ahead of time. Crimson Tide. Oh, love it. One of the best movies ever made, right? Love it. It's so much fun. Uh, I love Gene Hackman. I'm a big Gene Hackman fan. I think that guy's great. Um, I think it's great how he, uh, I mean, on screen and in real life, apparently, was kind of a big jerk. <laughs> oh, I plays, didn't plays know a big um, jerk in that film of a plausibly yeah, horrible guy. Uh, jerk is maybe too strong. Just a very yeah. intense yeah. guy. Um, uh, and I think he uses that intensity very well on the screen. I'm also fond of it because... My my parent my parents as I mentioned in the military were in the navy, uh, they weren't submariners, but um, we knew people who were who did work on submarines, and so I just have I basically have like a lot of like affection for you know military thrillers, um, navy thrillers specifically, and then like just because I grew up around lots of you know black people in the military, just like black people in the military in movies, you know, it's reminds me of being a kid. So yeah. Yeah. All good reasons to love it. Jamel, love it or loathe it. Soup. The food. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Love it. Don't eat it as much anymore because little kids have a really hard time eating soup. Yeah. Pre-kids made soup all the time because nothing better than a big bowl of soup and some bread. I like... I like I like my cereal crunchy. I like my soups very brothy. I love a brothy oh, soup. Oh, fascinating! Because that's quite different from the you don't chew yeah. with a brothy soup. Oh, but does that even fill you up? I mean, it depends, right? Like sometimes, like a brothy soup with lots of noodles and stuff, obviously. But like sometimes, I am one hundred percent satisfied by just like a glorified bowl of broth with like lots of 
you know, green onions and like grated ginger, yeah. like lots of that stuff thrown yeah. in that I can just like drink. Right. I love that. Drink it out of a thermos, not with a spoon. Uh, <laughs> last one, Jamel. Oh, AI. <laughs> love it or loathe it. Artificial intelligence. He knows. What if he didn't know what it was? It's, it's, <laughs> it's for the <laughs> listeners, AI? everyone. AI? Oh, yeah, it's for the listeners. Okay. Um. I was trying to think of what else could stand for AI, and then I just not quit. No, I know I don't know. What, yeah, I think you're. I think uh, <laughs> also. Wait, uh, you guys. My whole thing. I have to say this before you answer. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I want everyone to start doing a period I period right because it just looks like yeah. it's Al everywhere. It's Al. It's <laughs> and it's because it's never the I. I don't know what you call that. The I with the the. Yeah, with the with the um the things on the, top. Uh, and yeah, the yeah, yeah. It's never serif. Yeah, it's never serif. Yeah, it looks like Al, and so it's like, yeah, I'm asking yeah. Al about. I'm asking Al to write my paper. Who, who is Al? Who is Al? Who is he? Why is he? Why is he um, under such scrutiny? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Al's gonna destroy us all. What's going on? Uh, I, I'm gonna say uh, loathe it for two reasons. One of them, not that serious. The other, I guess, kind of serious. Uh, uh, the not that serious one is that I'm just kind of tired of reading stories by people who are like, you know, the AI has feelings and it, it's, it's, you know, it's blah, blah, blah. It's developing its own personality. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's a natural language generator and you're just projecting things onto it, but it does not know anything. It's just like giving you, Based off of a bunch of content that's been, it's analyzed, it's giving you something that sounds like a facsimile of what you've asked it. So chill out. You know, it's not the movies. It's not Skynet. Um, so that's the, that's just sort of, I mean, I'm, I'm actually kind of annoyed by that, all that discourse, but like, that's the less serious. The more serious one is that like so many things, the actual, you know, be so much of the technological innovation behind AI involves like the exploitation of low wage labor of people in other countries who are being paid very little money to do all the grunt work to make this stuff work. And they are invisible. And what is visible is this little chat box on your computer and the Kenyan workers who are responsible for making that thing work essentially are not visible. And insofar that AI is built on and also like erasing the um, the work of these workers. I, uh, I I I loathe it. You know, I think I think a group of them recently unionized, which is like good for oh, them. Great. Good for um, the Kenyan AI workers. I happen to agree with you 100%. Ellie loves AI, though. Scott, you know? he's joking. He's joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. He's trying to humiliate me. Thank you so much, Jamel. You do a million things, obviously. Before we go, is there anything that you want uh, anyone who's listening to this to check out? Anything you want to plug? Uh, you can read my column with the New York Times. It's usually every Tuesdays and Fridays. And um, and my podcast, Unclear and Present Danger, about the political and military thrillers of the 1990s and what they say about the politics of that decade. Yeah, and that's pretty much, those are the two things that, you know, I do a lot. I'm on TikTok, too, and and I make jokes on TikTok. My TikTok handle is just at Jamel Bowie. Follow him there, everybody. Jamel, thank you so much. It has been an honor and a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for making time for us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for having me, uh, both of you. I really, it's been a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jamel. Thank you, Jamel. Just a quick note, this interview was recorded before the SAG strike. 
So take that for what you will and our solidarity to everyone striking out there for a better contract for a better contract. Thanks for listening to Born to Love. We'll be back next week with brand new things that we love. We want to hear from you. Leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and tell us what you love. We might even ask one of our guests in an upcoming Love It or Loathe It. Born to Love is hosted and created by Ellie Kemper and Scott Eckert. Our executive producer is Aaron Kaufman. Our producers are Sheena Ozaki and Zoe Denkla. Born to Love is part of Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network in collaboration with iHeart Podcasts. Special thanks to Hans Sani, Rachel Kaplan and Adriana Cassiano, Michael Fails, Alex Coral, and Bahid Frazier. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.